Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes and they changed their ways and God stayed his judgment on those people for over a hundred years. See, the responsibility that Nebuchadnezzar has is he can change before things have to get nasty because God is not desirous of things getting nasty. God wants people out of their own free will to turn and sometimes God says, look, if you do not turn now, this is going to get really bad. There's a whole channel on TV devoted to videos of people falling or failing in some way. You cringe when you watch them because you can already see what's going to happen. And you wish you could just tell them not to do it. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that the prophet Daniel knew that King Nebuchadnezzar was headed down a path that wasn't going to end well. That's why he urged the king to change his mind before it was too late. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 4 as he continues his message divine intervention. You hear all the spirit language in the ministry of Jesus. He was filled with the spirit, right? After his baptism, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he got led by the spirit to get tempted by the devil. And then after he did not succumb to that temptation, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, that's part of the friction of life. That when you are filled with the Spirit and you are led by the Spirit, it is not spiritual Disneyland. You have all sorts of churches. They want to tell you, man, you get the Spirit-filled life, and you can have un- supernatural power. Everything's going to go great. And then all of a sudden, you come back from their little retreat where they took a lot of your money for you to be there, and then all of a sudden everything falls apart. You say to yourself, what's happening? Because the Bible says that when God calls us, Satan is just going to be like, well, listen, just do what you want to do. Have fun. Be all spirit-filled. He comes in with a baseball bat. Trying to pull a Tanya Harding on you. But you know how Nancy Kerrigan got on with that thing. She was limping, but God did a work. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you weren't a child of the 80s and you missed that part of life. It's a Gen X reference. You young millennials, just go look it up. Say, who's Tanya Harding? Who's Nancy Kerrigan? You know, it's cool. No, it's not cool. It's horrible, actually. But it's like the perfect reference for what I'm trying to get at. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. There's some of you here right now, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus before. Now, listen, I don't want to be the downer, but you don't have spirit ability. I'm going to be honest with you. If you've been here at all, you realize I am not going to lie to you. If you are not in Christ, you do not have spirit ability, but not because you don't have the opportunity for it. It's because you don't want it. If you put your faith and trust, then you get all the benefits that come from putting your faith and trust in you. And if you say, well, I don't want Jesus, then you do not get those benefits. And you have to realize that. But it's not because God doesn't want you to have it, because God has done everything except make you a robot so that you would have spirit ability. Jesus has already lived the perfectly lived life. He already died on the cross, and he already rose again. And you have been invited numerous times, not only while you're watching this and being a part of what's going on at Crossroads right now, because God wants you to be involved. But you have to say thank you. You have to receive that. To quote 
good old American expression, membership has its privileges. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is not working on you from the outside, but it's a whole other thing when you're getting worked on from the outside than when you're getting worked on from the inside. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And I believe you're here today hearing this unique message because deep down, even though you, maybe you haven't dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's and you're not so sure about this whole Jesus thing, you deep down say, I want the ability of the holy God to be at work in my life. Like, I've never met a person who doesn't want to have a life that has overtones of supernatural reality to it. And I believe that God wants you to have it. And God's done everything other than make you believe it. And if you say yes to Jesus, then the spirit of the living God will dwell in you. And you will have spirit ability. You will have the ability of the spirit for whatever it is that God wants to do. But again, the key is that we be available. And what's beautiful is Daniel, in the midst of a pagan empire, is super available. Like, he's working there. Like, you would think, he'd be like, well, I'm a religious Jewish guy. I don't want to be involved in this. No, he's totally there. And he shows on up, and Nebuchadnezzar shares this dream with him. And the dream is interesting. It's this large tree, and it's a beautiful tree. And it was growing, and it was strong, and its height reached to the heaven, and everybody could see this tree. And all the birds of the air hung out there. It was a great place to hang out. All the beasts of the field, they rested underneath it. And then all of a sudden, one of these watchers, these holy ones, like almost like an, an angelic being comes on out and declares, cut down this tree. Strip away all of its branches, all the leaves, all the fruit, all the beasts of the earth get out from underneath it. All those birds go away. Why? Because we find out that this tree is not a tree, it's a person. And he says, leave the stump, but let his heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast. So this is a terrifying dream. And he leaves it with Daniel. He says, Daniel, because you have spirit ability, tell me what it means. And look what Daniel does, verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time. And his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. And Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you. And its interpretation concerning your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, and your greatness has grown and reached to the heavens and the dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive you from men, 
Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, verse 27, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. You see what goes on here because Daniel hears the dream and because the spirit of the living God is within him, he knows the interpretation. He says to him, oh, king, I wish that this dream was about your enemies, not you. I wish that this is not what's going to... And you got to love Daniel here because there's kindness and compassion. Even though Nebuchadnezzar was a train wreck, there's love for this guy. And Daniel explains to him, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're that tree. Your kingdom has grown. Your dominion has grown. Everybody knows who you are. But guess what? You're going to lose your mind. Your sanity is going to be taken from you for seven seasons. Most people would say it was meant seven years as a long extended period of time. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, this is about you. And what does this teach us, my friends? This teaches us that we have responsibility. Even in the midst of God's divine intervention, there is a responsibility that is to be had. Daniel had a responsibility to speak the truth to power to Nebuchadnezzar. Even Nebuchadnezzar has to encourage him to tell him. Nebuchadnezzar realized, like, listen, don't let the dream and its interpretation freak you out. Just tell me what it is. And you can imagine Daniel scared for his life having to talk to this king, telling him that he's going to be humbled by the Most High God. But what I think is most fascinating is that Daniel explains to him that really all this is going on so that Nebuchadnezzar would know that he doesn't rule, but heaven rules. That he is not the king. There is a king of kings who is the king behind all kings. And not only that, notice verse 27. Daniel really focuses in on this idea that there's a responsibility. Notice what it says. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your days. See, Daniel says to him, Nebuchadnezzar, this doesn't have to happen. God's intervention into your life to drive you to madness for a season does not have to happen. Will you turn? That's a biblical word, repent. Will you turn away from the way that you're going, change your mind that changes your way, that changes your direction, and turn to the Lord? Because Daniel realizes that repentance will stay divine intervention of judgment. Just like for the people of Nineveh. Have you guys remember the, the story of Jonah? Remember the guy, the fish, gets barfed up on shore? Great story. Now, I know some of you guys don't believe that that's possible. Just go look at a submarine, the people who created the submarine. God can cake a fish. You could get swallowed by a fish, still live if God wants you to live. You know that, right? I love when people are skeptical. I'm a skeptic at heart, didn't grow up in the church. So when I hear someone like, oh, man, how could you believe in the book of Jonah? I'm like, you ever go see a submarine? Man, not only one person underwater, that thing looks like a fish too. 
They could put whole groups of people down there. You could spend years down there. So he was down there for three days. God got that, man. People say, oh, I don't believe in the parting of the Red Sea. I'm like, people in Oroville believe in dams right now. But yes, if humans can figure out how to stop water, I think the God who created humans can figure out how to stop water first. And then, of course, my favorite one, oh, the virgin birth. Who could believe in that? I'm like, well, we do have artificial insemination today. A woman doesn't have to have any sexual relations. She can't have a baby. Absolutely. Totally possible. So if the God who created the people could come up with this stuff, why couldn't God do it without the people? But that's an aside just for you guys for fun. <laughs> I was talking about Nineveh because Jonah went there and told them, look, judgment is coming. Change your ways. And the people of Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes, and they changed their ways, and God stayed his judgment on those people for over 100 years. See, the responsibility that Nebuchadnezzar has is he can change before things have to get nasty, because God is not desirous of things getting nasty. God wants people out of their own free will to turn, and sometimes God says, look, if you do not turn now, this is going to get really bad. And it's a great reminder. Jeremiah told the children of Israel the exact same thing in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 3. Remember Jeremiah? He's trying to get them to turn from their ways and turn to God so that the Babylonians won't come and destroy the city. He's saying, look, and this is what he says in Jeremiah 7, 3. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. He raised up Jeremiah to say, look, change what you're doing and you will not have to go into exile. But what did the children of Israel do? They didn't change their ways. And what happened? They ended up in Babylon, which is where we find Daniel and his friends and all the Jewish people. Jerusalem got destroyed. And in the same way, Daniel's saying to Nebuchadnezzar, listen, stop acting in rebellion against God. Break off your sins. Be righteous and your iniquities. Start showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. And at this point, I have to, I want to issue a warning because there's some of you here right now, you are making decisions that if you continue down this road, it lands in a spot that will hurt. And I think God loves you enough to have you here right now hearing this. And Jesus always says, let he who has ears, let him hear. I'm not saying this because, listen, I'm nobody. I got all my own issues. So I'm not talking, I'm not like, I got it all together, and you guys better listen. Listen, I hear this warning myself. That if you choose a certain course of action that runs in rebellion against God, if you get the normal, natural consequences of those decisions, you will be able to say, God, you were trying to warn me. I always tell people this when they're dealing with family members and a family member is maybe caught up in addiction. I'm like, look, you have to go and confront them in love, not in judgment, in love. I'm like, because if you see what's going on, if you don't, they might get mad at you, but at least you warn them. That's what God told the prophet Ezekiel. He said, look, if I tell you to go and warn someone and you don't and they perish in their sins, it's your fault. But if you go and warn them and they don't, it's their fault. But we have a moral responsibility, a loving responsibility to one another to say, look, I love you. I'm worried about you. I love you. The consequences of this decision lands in a bad spot. Now, I realize that when someone does that to you, you want to shoot the messenger. I realize that. Because nobody wants to hear that everything we do is not the best thing we could do. 
But at least you have people in your life who love you enough to tell you, I'm really concerned about this. And I'll be honest with you, in my own life, almost every time someone came and said that they were concerned about it, in hindsight, they were totally right. Doesn't mean I always took their advice. I wish I did. They're almost always right. Either they don't get everything right, they get a lot of it right. And the key for us is we have this responsibility for our lives. And my friends, if you are hearing this right now, I think there's some of you where the Holy Spirit, because you're a follower of Jesus, is saying, this is for you right now. Do not turn from this moment without changing your ways. Amend your decisions. We talked about compromise. It's amazing when you have these type of messages, the stuff that it unearths in our hearts. You do not want to let this moment of decision where you realize that if I keep going here because the Spirit of God has said, yep, this is for you because I love you and I don't want to see you get hurt. I do this with my own kids. I beg, like, now listen, you guys, you guys are bickering. Listen, if you guys bicker, what happens? We end up owing time. Do you want to owe time? No. So you have to think, is this really what you want? Is the bickering getting you what you want? No. Well, then stop bickering. But if you keep doing it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to owe time which is them going in their rooms with no technology. It's like horror show for a young child, you know? <laughs> I can't have the iPad. <laughs> and guess what? We're all God's kids, so do you want to owe time? Do you want no technology? Are you getting what you want? No, then change your ways. But you know what's amazing? I have the same conversation with adults as well. You know, because all of a sudden you have someone, they know the Lord, they're making bad decisions, and they're like, man, I'm going to end up in jail. I'm like, well, is that really what you want? No, I don't want to end up in jail. Well, then change. Like, it is that simple, isn't it? Why? Because we have responsibility. I love that word. Just like we have spirit ability, you have the ability to respond to whatever's going on, however it is that you want to. See, Nebuchadnezzar could have heard this, you need to change. And he could have changed, and what's going to go on next may never have happened. But what you're going to find is Nebuchadnezzar did not take the warning. Whatever the warning was, it did not penetrate his heart. Because look at what happens, verse 28. All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. Ouch, don't you hate that verse? All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months... He was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does 
according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? And at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me and I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whom's works are truth and his ways justice and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. My friends, We need humility. This is Nebuchadnezzar's problem. His problem is that he has not humbled himself. See, God gives him 12 months. And and who knows what Nebuchadnezzar, maybe there was a brief change in heart where all of a sudden he's just like, you know, I better get this together. And he stops being a mean king and he looks out for the poor and he does all these things, but it doesn't reach his pride doesn't reach his heart. And what goes on is that eventually he's walking through his palace and he's boasting in who he is. Oh, me and my kingdom, I did such a good job. I did this. It's all my majesty. Look at how awesome I am. Sounds like an NFL wide receiver. You know, I am awesome. I could throw the ball to myself. Sometimes a defensive back, depending on where we live. Wait for it. Wait for it. But because he's boasting, he doesn't realize that everything he has, he's been given. And at that moment, he loses his sanity for seven seasons. It's actually a clinical problem. It's called zoanthropy, where somebody, they believe they're an animal. They eat grass like an animal. They live like an animal. It's still common today. You can see cases of it. Go on YouTube and all that stuff. You you can see examples of it. It's horrifying. My friends, the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. That's James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. We find ultimately that Nebuchadnezzar spends seven seasons, and then his reason returns to him, and he praises God. And he gets his kingdom back, even after this long season of insanity. Why? So that he can write this letter that we can read, that we can learn from. Now, you might be saying, okay, so God intervenes and we have spirit ability if we're in Christ and we have responsibility on how we live and we need humility. I'm here to tell you guys this. I'm going to close right here. The most humble thing a person can do is put their faith and trust in Jesus. Because at the moment you say yes to Jesus, you are saying, I cannot save myself. You're saying, me left up to my own devices, I cannot do it myself. And that is also the very reason why many people do not say yes to Jesus. Because like, I want to be able to do it myself. I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And the answer is, is, you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but you cannot save yourself. Jesus is Before God's intervention, Nebuchadnezzar made some good changes, but they didn't translate into heart change. He still thought he was the greatest. Today, Pastor Daniel urged you to be humble. You, like King Nebuchadnezzar, can't save yourself. Doing good things won't change your heart. You need Jesus to rescue you from your brokenness and sin. When you come to him in humility, your sins are forgiven. You're adopted into his family, and your life is transformed from the inside out. 
Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will look at Nebuchadnezzar's response to what God did in his life. And how did he respond? He worshiped God. He gave God glory, honor, and praise for what he had done. Nebuchadnezzar was a responder, and you could be one too. Pastor Daniel invites you to explore how you can respond to God in worship. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Friction. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.